0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Terra Nova. Those of you who are new or visiting, we welcome you here. Uh, maybe you're from the West Coast and you're out visiting. We're glad that you came to worship with us this morning. And um, we gather each and each and every week as as a body of believers to know Jesus better. And the Scriptures teach about Jesus, and we have we have a period of time in our services. Not just the songs, because that last hymn is one of my favorites. So just incredible, incredible truths about who God is. But now we're going we're to dig into the Word so that we can see Jesus clearer. So that we can follow Him with more love and more, more focus and more resolve and more understanding. And all of the things that Jesus is doing and teaching and saying We can get so much knowledge and understanding from it. Now, Jesus is towards the end of his ministry. This is Matthew 20. He's preparing himself for the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's making us know and understand that he is three-dimensional and that he's prophet, priest, and king, that he is the Messiah, that he is man and God, flesh and spirit. And again and again and again, he's reminding us these things by his work and his ministry. But again and again and again, people miss him. They're blind to who he is and what he's come to do including the disciples, those that were closest to Jesus, the ones that were called by Jesus. So today, we will see people in today's story that choose to only see a one-dimensional, maybe even a two-dimensional Jesus, but they are missing his ministry coming to a climax, and the things that he is acknowledging and the things that he's proclaiming and the things that he's putting forth and the things that he's doing, people are blind to these things. Last week, Pastor Daniel reminded us and and taught us that Jesus preaches right before this that he calls us to serve one another. He calls us to put the things that we're learning from Jesus to put those things into practice. Because Jesus doesn't just teach us things. He actually puts them in, he, he, he lives by example. That was his greatest critique of the, of, of the Pharisees, right? Is that they know all this stuff, but they don't actually do it. So today we're going to look at a miraculous Story of healing, of sight being restored. But today's passage is much more than just a miraculous healing. It's, it's, an, it's helping us understand what spiritual blindness is. Think of this as a real-world parable, if you will. Yes, we believe that it's in the Scriptures. We believe that this is a true account of a real healing. But let's take a look at it from a parable focus, the things that we can learn and understand from what Jesus is teaching us today. He's calling us today to know him better, to see him better, and to follow him closer. So let me pray for us as we jump into this story today. Heavenly Father, help us to know you better. Help us to to know and understand and love you more. Holy Spirit, Only you can do the work of changing our hearts and teaching us. Let us us receive your word with humility and let let us walk out from here changed. Because we've met with a real, eternal, personal, present God. Humble us underneath your authority and the authority of your scriptures this morning. We ask these things in your name. Amen. All right, so the the big idea this morning that I want us to focus on is pretty simple, and it's a question. It's, do you want to see Jesus? We're going to look at three focal points this morning in this story. We're going to take a look at Jesus himself, and we're going to see that Jesus sees and acknowledges those things that we the crowd or the world wants to hide Then we're going to take a look at the crowd these people that were surrounding jesus that were following him and we're going to see that these people were actually quite blind physically they had sight but actually we were quite blind spiritually and we'll take a look at what that means and then we're going to look at these two men the beggars who who although they were physically blind They were humbled to the point that they could see with clarity who Jesus was. They could see with clarity what Jesus came to do. So let's read the text and jump in. We're in Matthew 20, verses uh, 29 through 34. You can follow along in your Bibles or you can check out the screen behind me. So here we go. Let's learn. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him, and behold, There were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, saying, be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and they followed him. So, Jesus is leaving Jericho and he's heading towards. Jerusalem. Daniel laid out for us really well last week what this meant and what, what Jerusalem meant for Jesus. This was where Jesus would be handed over, where he'd be tried and sentenced to death. I think it's hard for us to relate to how difficult this might be to be knowingly marching towards your death. Jesus, being completely human and completely God, had a, a divine and, and, and in-depth understanding and knowledge of what he was going to do. Yet, being completely human, we know that he was in anguish. We'll read it in uh, the, the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, where, where Jesus was sweating to the point of it looking like drops of blood or some. some um, some people understand that it was drops of blood, that he was crying out to his father for, Lord, if there is another way, right? So, so we understand that this was heavy on Jesus. And so I want us to acknowledge that. And I want us to put that, not filter, but I want us to put that reality on Jesus as he's teaching and as he's acting and as he's serving and he's working. We have to understand that this weight was on Jesus at all times. But Jesus was fixed on his mission. His eyes were wide open to who he was, what he was coming to do, and his eyes were fixed on his mission. Now, think for a moment, okay? You have a stressful meeting coming up at work, or you have a deadline to make a payment on a credit card, or you have an audition or an interview or something coming up. I don't know about you, but... That like wrecks me if it's like, oh, no, this meeting's like next week. I have to think about it for that long, right? Has this ever happened to anybody? Nobody? Okay. Yeah, Amber says yes. It's, it's happened to her. This really, this can, as, as humans, this can really taint our daily interactions with people. We can be irritable, we can, maybe we're not sleeping as much, maybe we're watching more TV and self-protecting by eating more or wh- whatever it might be for you. Where We snap at our children or our spouse or our boss. But Jesus, with this reality, still stopped to serve, still stopped to see need. His mission was in front of him and he kept that In his sight. Again, Pastor Daniel said that Jesus saw through his suffering to his glory. So keep that in mind, friends, as we look at the type of work that he's going to be doing in today's story and the stories that we're about to hear. So suddenly, out of the gutter in the road, on the side of the road, amidst a busy crowd that followed Jesus, we, we, we hear a shout, a plea from two blind men. Now, this same exact story is recorded in Luke and in Mark, and Mark acknowledges um, the man. Uh, Matthew says, talks about two men. Um, in Mark, we focus on Bartimaeus. You may be familiar with blind Bart. If you have a, like a children's Bible, it's blind Bart. That was always my favorite passage. Um, but Bartimaeus, or whatever their names might have been, we hear them cry out from the edge of the road, Lord, have mercy. Now, unfortunately, the, a, a beggar in, those, in that day and age was, was a very normal fixture in society. And unfortunately for us today, especially in major cities and even downtown Saratoga, we still have people that are down and out, people that are homeless people that don't have work that are asking for money, asking for food, asking for help. But we have to understand that these beggars had a a much greater lowered, much greater lowered, that makes sense, right? A much greater lowered social status, okay? Because it was understood if you were Jewish and, and if you were blind, if you were born blind even more so, it meant that your ancestors had sinned. You were cursed. You really had no chance at life. You were going to be blind. You were going to be cast aside. You were going to be, you were going to be ignored and stepped on and gr- degraded in society. You were going to just fade into the background of a noisy street and be forgotten. Total depravity. But Jesus doesn't miss them. He hears them and he stops. Do you wish sometimes that people would just stop? In our our crazy, busy world, have you ever said to a a close friend or a spouse or a a child, like, stop. Stop. Look at me. Pay attention. Most of the time we're running from one thing to the next and I think it's significant. Jesus stopped. It says so much about who he is. He's ready and willing to serve. He sees the needy and the downcast and the marginalized and the forgotten. He sees that which... Most of us just pass by because we're in a hurry. He sees these men despite the busyness of the crowd. He sees these men despite the internal struggles that maybe he's having over his impending death. But he stops and he sees, he's demonstrating for us what he just said in verses 26 through 28, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus sees. But what about the crowd? I think, simply put, the crowd totally missed a wonderful opportunity to serve, like the guy that they were following and learning from. They missed a really great opportunity, and instead of serving them, they told them to shut up, to be quiet. Now, we, we don't know who was in the crowd, but let's assume that it was the disciples, let's assume that there were kind of curious onlookers, that there were skeptics, there were excited people wanting to see what, what all the hubbub was about. Jesus was gaining popularity. Now, it's not expressively stated why it is the crowd hushed these two men, but let's imagine for a minute. We know that in the previous passage, Jesus' disciples had the audacity to ask Jesus, hey, can we have prominent places of leadership in your kingdom? It was actually James and John's mother. They didn't actually have the, <laughs> they didn't actually have the courage to go ask Jesus for themselves, so they were like, hey, mom, can you, can you ask for me? Right? What, what's going on here is that there's, there's, there's a focus on self. These people are following Jesus for what they could get out of it. The disciples are concerned with who they were and where their positions of authority were. I mean, come on, Jesus was like rabbis in, in the day. They were celebrities. People wanted to know and understand what they were saying and, and kind of hitch their wagon to something that they thought was good. So, the, so hearing the cry to the side of the road was most likely, a guys, be quiet. We're, we're dealing with Jesus here. We're going somewhere with this guy. This guy's important. He's popular. We're going with him. Be quiet. Go away. The crowd sees themselves and they don't see the opportunity to serve. So do, do you see what's developing here in this so-called real life parable. Do you see what's going on? Who is actually the blind people in this story? Who are actually the blind ones? Be- because we understand and know that real and debilitating blindness is not necessarily physical. The crowd, although they, they can see, they, they they clearly lack a spiritual insight to understand who Jesus is and what he's doing. Had they had a spiritual view of who Jesus was, they wouldn't have hushed the blind beggars. They would have, alongside of Jesus, served them. Not five minutes ago, probably this same crowd heard Jesus say, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Totally missed it. Now, spiritual blindness is, is not a new problem that Jesus has had to encounter. Mark 18, we hear Jesus say this to his disciples He says, Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your, are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, you do not see, and having ears, you do not hear. Are we like this sometimes? I know I am. I think sometimes we're caught in the busy crowd of the world that the the needs of our world, the, the needs of our communities, the needs of our families are ignored because we're blind to it. We're too busy. We're too focused on ourselves. So the crowd rebuked these men, telling them to be quiet But let's look at the beggars now. Let's look at these men. They might be blind, but they see clear as day who is coming down that road. And they cry out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They know who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is. And we we understand that they knew who Jesus was, I think, because of the two things they ask from Jesus. Now, we all know the the second thing they ask. We all know that they ask for their sight to be restored, right? But the first ask, I think, is even more important. The first ask is they ask Jesus for mercy. 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 Take a moment and and try to get in that headspace. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've had to ask somebody for mercy? Have you ever been so broken and felt so depraved? Have you ever been in so much trouble that you need to ask for mercy because you know that there's no other way out? These men were well equated with their brokenness, with their low position. This was an ask out of utter despair. I believe that they they understood that sight wasn't actually their main problem. Remember, they had operated out of an understanding that they were cursed. That they were so condemned to this life of poverty and darkness. Pushed to the side. Forgotten. No chances. No opportunities. No redemption. you see what Matthew is helping us see and build here? And what Jesus is doing for us? These were the men who had no chance and they knew it. Until until they heard that Jesus was coming. Lord, Son of David. They acknowledged his true messianic title. We know that the Messiah was prophesied to come from the line of David. They hit the nail on the head. Lord, King, Son of David, the messianic king. They would have known the scriptures in Second Samuel, where the prophet Nathan says to David, "And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me; your throne shall be established forever." Some of us are uh, know the, the passage from First Luke that we read at Christmas time, when the angel says to Mary, "He will be great, and he will be called." The Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. These men have faith that Jesus is the one who has been foretold and the one who has been long awaited. And they honor him with a kingly and theologically deep title. They have the boldness, not to simply wait their turn, but they have the boldness to ask Jesus for big things. And Jesus does not pass them by. Jesus doesn't drop a coin in their hand and say, go. He doesn't hand them a piece of bread and say, go. Jesus stops and acknowledges their cry and shows them the mercy that they're asking for. Jesus asks them this question. What Do you want me to do for you? All right. Biblical Study 101. When Jesus asks a question, pay attention. It's really important. Parents out there, ask your kids good questions. Teachers out there, ask your students good questions. It's with questions that we turn our brains on, it's with questions that things get more. personal. It's with questions that strengthens relationship between us. Jesus could have healed these guys three miles down the road. Okay, and we see this in the Gospels where he actually heals from afar because he's God. But he chooses to come to these men to ask them specific questions, to acknowledge them Lay his hands on them. What do you want me to do for you? Now, real quick, last week the passage right before this, Jesus asks the same question, doesn't he? You guys remember who? The mother of James and uh, of James and John comes comes up to Jesus and asks him. Can, can, Can my sons have the position of left and right on your throne? Jesus is like, what do you want me to do for you? The answer in that story is a whole lot different. She was coming to Jesus with an understanding of who Jesus was. Let's give her that. But her view was totally not on the mission of Jesus to, to save the world and to serve the world. She was looking at Jesus for what she could get out of Jesus for her sons. But the answer from these men is a whole lot different. It's out of humility. The response before is out of selfishness, and selfishness always blinds us to our ultimate need. And our ultimate ultimate need is mercy for our souls. So there was two requests. The first one, Lord, have mercy. The second one, what do you want me to do for you? They asked the impossible. They literally asked the impossible. But because they knew who Jesus was, they knew they could ask the impossible. Lord, let our eyes be opened. Now, allow me 30 seconds of speculation here. Because as I was preparing this, I thought, well, duh, that's the obvious response, right? I want to see. However, you, you have to think that people have lesser faith and people that maybe have a more nearsighted perspective. Remember Daniel taught us nearsighted versus farsighted disciples last week, okay? For more nearsighted folks, the answer might have been, well, you're a king, right? So Give me, what, give me money so I can get out of this state that I'm in. Give me food. He's a king. He has those resources. Why did not you just ask for money? But he asks the thing that they know no one else can do for them. Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, it says, and Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. In this miracle of healing, we understand that, we understand even more of the prophetic, um, the prophetic writings of Jesus from, prophet, from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 2. He, he says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Jesus is before their eyes, opening their eyes and showing them light. Jesus is very much the person that he says he is. So I'm going to ask you all today do you want to see Jesus? Now maybe, I mean, maybe that's an obvious question, but I, d- I don't think so. I don't think it's as obvious as, as we think if we really come to grips with, with, with what that means. Jesus comes to save us from ourselves. He comes to save us from our own personal kingdoms where the emphasis is put on us being number one. The emphasis is put on what we want, what we think will be best, where we want to go. When our pride fills up, we lack the clarity to see Jesus pulling us away from ourselves and towards him. Jesus is waiting to release us from the bondage of sin, And to show us the path of eternal life. And to show us how to live for his eternal kingdom. We need to cry out for mercy. Because until we realize that we're that blind, we're going to keep missing Jesus. So I'm going to leave us with three applications for us to think of as we go into the week. If you want to see Jesus, here are three things to help. Obviously, they're not just three. But here's three that we learned from the text this morning. First, cry out in mercy over your sin. Only then can we see clearly. Titus 3, 3 3-7, the Apostle Paul writes these words. For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Think of these guys on the road. They hadn't done anything, they could not do anything, but Jesus appeared and saved them. And He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is what no one else can give. So we can't miss the step where we plead for mercy. If we miss the step, we're just going to remain blind like the crowd until we realize that the things of this world makes us, makes us blind It makes us slaves and that we need mercy. Um, some of you are familiar with the pastor Alistair Begg. Um, he says these brilliant words. He says, you will never know Jesus Christ as a reality until, uh, in your life until you know him as a necessity. You will never call out for a savior until you know that you have sin from which to be saved. You'll never call out to ask to see until you're made aware of your blindness. And we, by nature, are so blind that we cannot see how blind we are until God makes it possible for us to see that we are blind. It is then, it is then that we will call for the sight that we long for. So if you've never done that today, Jesus is here. He stops to look you in the eye and offer what only He can give, and that's mercy and forgiveness for our souls. Good news, amen? Second, in order to see Jesus clearly, the second thing, we need to know and understand that Jesus is who he says he is, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one that can only take away, the only one that can take away sins, the only one that can heal our hearts and our bodies. And we must follow Jesus then, As the men did once they were healed, they followed him. So you and I here today that have accepted Jesus, we can follow Jesus by clinging on to his word, by being involved in a a fellowship of believers called the church. Terra Nova is one. There are lots of others. Be involved in a church where you, alongside others, can encourage one another to follow after Jesus, to know him better to hear good preaching from a shepherd who loves you and wants to teach you about Jesus. But also we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us and changes us and once we we accept the forgiveness from Jesus, we believe that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and dwells inside of us and changes us foundationally. Yes, there is objective truth in this world. Many people in the world are afraid of that. They're all about the journey of discovery. But let me say, there is objective, real truth in the world today. And it's Jesus. But the great thing about Jesus is we will never get tired of following him. We will never get tired of learning about him because he is eternal. He is infinite. That's an adventure that I want to be on. And I want you to be on too. Thirdly, finally, when we see Jesus clearly, we will have the faith to ask him for the impossible. Now, for these men, it was was only from a place of total and complete need, and thus complete and total faith, that these men were able to ask for what they did. Now, this story is not just an object lesson okay? This is, this is a true record of a miraculous healing. If we understand this scripture and many others like it, we will see and know and understand that God does and will and has healed people. That moment, on the spot. Friends, let us continue to be a church of people, that prays with that kind of faith. When you see Jesus clearly, you can pray with that amount of faith. Let us be a church that continues to cry out to God to to show us the miraculous, to show us the things that we can't do on our own. James 5.16 says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it, has, as it is working. And I've witnessed this from this congregation of people who have, who have sacrificed and who have, have gone in front of the Lord on their knees for those in our congregation that need healing. I've witnessed the powerful bond that is praying for one another. And Jesus, as he demonstrates this morning, can and does and wants to honor those prayers and to heal us. Yes, in this life too. As we are praying for these things, let us also remain steadfast in the truths that Jesus has already purchased for us. That in his blood that you are justified, that you are saved, that you are clean, that you are made a new creation. That's already happened. Praise him. Okay? Matthew seven eleven says, Your father who is in heaven gives good things to those who ask him. So in faith... Let us continue to ask Jesus to do the impossible in our lives and wait expectantly for the good things that he has promised to shower upon us. We are going to remember once again Jesus' death for us by taking communion. And I want us I want to leave you with this, that Jesus sees you and I today. You cannot run from him. He sees you in your sin. He sees you in your defiance. He sees you in your apathy. He sees you in your victories. It doesn't always have to be bad. He sees you and wants to draw you even closer to himself today. Let's not settle with, I know who Jesus is. I got a pretty good knowledge. Go further. You'll never get there because he's eternal. Follow him closer. Know him better. There's more depth and more beauty and more understanding in him and in his kingdom that is here now, that he is working his plan of restoration here and now. So let us see him clearer and let's cry out to the one that can do that what we can't it's jesus let's pray heavenly father humble us let us be more aware of our blindness today In various areas. Let us be a type of community that helps point out blindness so that we can see you better and we can follow you closer. Lord, we're gonna ask for thrones and positions if we don't have a correct sight of you. But I have faith that by the working and the transformation of the Holy Spirit that we would be people that join with you in asking for healing for the sick for serving the downcasts and the needy, for bringing the word of truth to those that are walking in darkness. Only you can do this in us. So we ask that of you now. And we ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.